I want to start this morning asking you a question. Can any of you tell me with exact detail what's going to happen in your life tomorrow? Now, some of you will probably say, yes, you're going to work, you're doing all sorts of things. That's easy. What about next week? Can you tell me? Or next month? Or even next year? Now, I hope you can. But anyway, it's very hard. And we could guess, but would you have 100% skill in telling me what's happening? And yet when I read scripture, I find it is full of examples that when prophets made statements about future events, they proved to be very, very accurate, not just weeks ahead, but sometimes years ahead. Now, biblical prophecy passages, and they have different things. They have inspirations, they have interpretations, they have admonitions, and they have predictions. Now, there's roughly 2,500 prophecies in Scripture. Currently, 2,000 of them have been proven to be true, so there are still 500 prophecies yet to happen. Today, I want to look at a prophecy that was incredibly accurate. It was written in Isaiah 61, and it was 700 years before that prophecy came true, before it took place. You see, the prophecy is about a personal encounter that we can all experience when we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, in the Old Testament, that personal relationship was more or less unheard of. Only a very few people had personal encounters with God. Now, I'm going to read Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 3 again. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting, so that they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. You see, these prophecies came true 700 years after they were written. And so we need to go to that point. And following Jesus' triumphant resurrection from death, he had three personal encounters with people who sadly were experiencing very low points in their lives. You see, these encounters changed their lives. They all discovered new hope and peace that was promised in Isaiah 61 verse 1. And the truth of this prophecy is that it's still very relevant today. Encounters with Jesus can radically change our lives, and some of you will testify to that. So the question is, how did Jesus fulfill this prophecy? See, Jesus showed he was the one that was able to change lives, people's lives that were in trouble. He demonstrated the power and the grace of God. He encouraged people to receive him as Lord and Savior. And John chapter 20 verses 10 to 30 gives the account of this prophecy being fulfilled 
and Jesus meeting with Mary Magdalene, the disciples, and then Thomas. And I want to tell their story because I think it's so relevant to this whole prophecy. You see, each encounter had a huge impact on their lives. They had happened just after Jesus had died and had been laid in the tomb. His followers were shocked at what happened to him. But we see the prophecy coming to life. Isaiah 61 verse 1 says, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. So the first encounter we look at this morning is when Jesus heals a brokenhearted woman. John chapter 20 verses 11 to 16. Let me read it. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but in her despair, she didn't recognize him. And you see, this is where we see the prophecy in Isaiah 61 being fulfilled in the personal encounter Mary had with Jesus. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which in Hebrew is, means teacher. Now, who was Mary Magdalene? She had been a very troubled person in her earlier life. She had met Jesus and was delivered from seven demons. After that, she became a close follower of Jesus. But after the death of Jesus and his body having been put in the tomb, she stood by it weeping in despair because all her hope had gone. Now that's a very powerful statement. She was weeping in despair because all her hope had gone. You see, her grief had blinded her. She didn't even recognize Jesus or his voice. But notice how her despairing, broken heart turned from despair to what happened became hope and peace after Jesus' personal encounter of love and concern for her as he spoke her name. You see, this is the story of the power of the encounter. But what can we learn here? You see, sometimes life can overpower us. We can get so stressed and buried in our circumstances. Even as believers, we can forget that God is with us. And Jesus was demonstrating here that when we see him, and welcome him in our circumstances, no matter how tough they are, we can experience renewed hope and peace. You see, Mary mattered to Jesus, and so do each one of us. Isn't that amazing that we're his children? He recognizes us, he loves us. And as God's children, he knows each one of us by name. He knows every name in the church. He knows every name in our community. And he knows everything about us. Amazingly, he wants to talk to us, to comfort us through his Holy Spirit as we share our journey with him. 
And you see, that is an amazing story of the healing of the encounter with someone who was so distressed, so unhappy because of the events in life. So let's move on to the next part of that verse. Isaiah 61 verse 1 tells us he came to proclaim freedom for the captives. Freedom for the captives. The second encounter I want to talk about is when Jesus appeared to his disciples who were behind locked doors. Now, why were they behind locked doors? You see, they were prisoners of fear. The fear of their circumstance meant that they locked themselves away. John 20 verses 19 to 23 tells us that Sunday evening when Jesus showed himself to Mary, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Isn't it amazing how we can be captive to fear? Here is the prophecy in Isaiah being fulfilled in the personal encounter that those disciples had with Jesus. And we read here, suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. What powerful, powerful words they were. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Now in Luke 24, verse 40, it says, when Jesus had said this to his disciples, they were filled with joy and amazement. They were no longer afraid. And then later, 40 days after Jesus' resurrection, in Luke 24, verses 50 to 53, we read, Then Jesus led the disciples to Bethany, and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshipped him, and they returned to Jerusalem. With a desperate note, say, so see, they are filled with great joy. And they spent all their time in the temple praising God. You know, the amazing part of this story is that they were no longer prisoners of fear. They were filled with joy and amazement, and they worshipped and praised God. What a powerful thing it is to have an encounter with the living Lord Jesus. Now, what can we learn here today? I think there's some important lessons in this. See, fear, which can be real, or imaginary is a very crippling thing. We can be afraid of many things that hold us captive. We can be fear of failure. It can be fear of losing our health or our finances. Fear of what people will think of us. You see, fear paralyzes us, controls us, and puts us under bondage. So the question is, is there a solution? And I believe that we've got to understand this. Having a daily and intimate relationship with Jesus and trusting him with our lives is a solution for fear. When we fully trust Jesus to be the Lord of our life, it relieves us of fear and worry. In Psalm 27:1, the psalmist wrote, The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? We need to understand something here. You see, he never guarantees that we will not have problems in this life. Problems in life go hand in hand. 
in times we will be afraid. Sometimes it's important to be scared of certain things like electricity can give us a shock or crossing the road when there's traffic there. And so fear is actually sometimes a safety. But God promises that if we choose to put our life into his care, we know that nothing can separate us from him and he will be always with us. And like the disciples, we can have joy and be free to praise and worship God. And I believe that the third and final encounter is very important. I want to talk about this when Jesus appeared to Thomas, who was a cautious and a pessimistic man. John 20 verses 24-29 says, But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, We have seen the Lord. And he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. He was very cautious. He was quite pessimistic. Now, after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut and stood in their midst and said those amazing words, peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, reach here with your finger and see my hands. Reach here with your hand and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered him and said, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they who do not see me and yet believe. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. You see, this is amazing because everyone in this church, in your church, MCC, who has a faith in God, you've done it without actually seeing Jesus. You've put your faith into action and you have believed, even though you haven't seen him. And this is why it says, blessed are they who do not see yet believe. This is why you're a blessed people, because you have put your faith into the hands of God, and it's amazing. And Thomas explained, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus said to him, you believe me because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Now, I love Jesus' compassion for Thomas. He didn't ridicule him because of his questions and doubts. He doesn't ridicule us because we have questions. Jesus knew the heart of Thomas. He gently offers exactly what he was asking for, the proof he needed. You see, this is another story of the power of the encounter that we can have. Now, what do we learn from here? Jesus responds with love and kindness because the church has always had Thomases. Ever since I've gone to church, I've met people who have questions and they don't just accept anything without questioning it. Sometimes people who question even doubt or remain sceptical, and maybe we're one of them. You see, we're sceptical of things like new seasons in the church, new ways of worship, new evidence of the work the Holy Spirit is doing. And I've seen that over many years as the Holy Spirit has confronted people and they question it. They can be a bit sceptical. And people who question or even doubt 
or who remain skeptical. Now, doubt is not negative until it leads you to choose not to believe. I'll say that again. Doubt is not negative until it leads you to choose not to believe. And this is exactly what Jesus was warning Thomas about, saying, Thomas, do not be unbelieving, but stop doubting and believe. So what does it mean to believe in Jesus? That's a good question, because many people believe in Jesus. But Romans 1.21 reminds us this, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God or gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. You see, it's so easy to know God, but not actually know him personally, or know about God, but not accept him as your own personal friend and saviour. Now, sadly, many accept him as a figure in history, but never enjoy a daily personal relationship with him. And I'll say that statement again, because I think it's so important. Sadly, many people accept Jesus as a figure in history, but they never enjoy a daily personal relationship with him. You know, we need to do a faith test in Jesus from time to time. We need to ask this question, do we really believe in Jesus? Do we really trust his word, trust his leading? John 20 verses 28, 29 says, Thomas said, my Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who do not see and yet believe. And I believe that's so important because do we really trust? Do we really believe? We may have come to church for years. Do we really totally believe? Do we actually trust his leading in our lives? Or do we keep him sort of separate and do our own thing? Now, what a new joy Thomas experienced as he falls before Jesus and proclaims, he is my Lord, he is my God. And he went from doubt to gladness. You see, in our stories this morning, we have seen three encounters with Jesus. Mary was healed of a broken heart. The disciples were delivered from their fear. And Thomas's doubts were banished. As Christians, we're a very blessed and privileged group of people because we can encounter God every day in our lives. So much of our daily life is doing ordinary things that need to get done. Living can easily become a series of just doing stuff unless we see it differently. Can a daily task open the way to encounter God? You know, maybe as your MCC verse of the year says in Joshua 1.9, I'll actually read that soon, but, you know, our daily life, what is it? We have school to attend. We have sales to make. Maybe we have reports to write, floors to clean, children to look after. And maybe if we work in the shop, we've got one more customer to satisfy. But our lives can become quite repetitive and sometimes boring. But there's a big but in this thing, because but if we are all looking for God's presence in the midst of it, then all of our life can become an opportunity to have an encounter with him. God is present in our daily chores. He never leaves us. He has promised us that nothing can separate us from his love. Now, your MCC verse of the year in Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
that's an amazing thing to know that whatever you do in your life, whatever your work is, whatever your responsibilities are, you've got God on your side. I know many occasions when I've been working and I've needed help, I just pray to God, God, help me here. Give me some advice on what to do. Trying to solve a problem, trying to work with people. It's amazing what happens. You get that sense that God is with you. And I trust he's with you in your daily life. You see, God wants to bless and communicate with his people at all the time we need to be ready. It is especially important when we're feeling like the people we've been talking about today. You know, some people are brokenhearted. Some people are fearful. Some people have doubts. But, you know, sometimes life we can be a bit depressed. We can be confused. Or we can have a myriad of other emotions. But, you know, here's the truth that I want you to grasp. He is there for us when we feel alone and no one else understands. To have a personal encounter with God is life-changing. And I think that's something that a number of you could probably testify and say amen to. It is amazing what happens when we seek God and encounter him in our everyday tasks of life. What's the consequence? It changes our attitude. It changes us. We do things differently. The work we do and have to do takes on new meaning. Choice is the key and it's our choice because God is always choosing to be with us in all our ways, in all our situations. If we want to encounter God every day, we need to agree with the psalmist in Psalm 27 verse 4. And this is a paraphrase. The one thing I want from God, the thing I seek most of all, is the privilege of living in his presence every day of my life to see how wonderful it is, delighting in his incomparable perfections and glory. You see, it's a privilege living every day, taking God into our everyday circumstances. They may be tough. You might find yourself in some pretty tough situations, and yet inside you can say, but God is with me. He is living with me. And he's giving me the strength for the day. I believe there is a powerful reality and consequence as we have encounters with God because we have constant moment-by-moment -moment communication with him. We all know that the devil would love to stop the powerful redemptive message of Jesus getting out into the world. We know that he hates Christians spreading the gospel for encouraging others. And yet, listen to this, with God's help, we, the church, are a powerful, effective group that God uses. Do you realize that MCC is not just there like a club just to encourage relationships? It's actually there to show the power of God at work in your community. And there can be nothing greater than that, to get the message of his salvation and hope out into all the non-believing world. You know, people out there experience all the sad things that we've talked about this morning, like hopelessness, fear, doubt, and discouragement. It doesn't take long when you start talking to people and they are honest how they feel, especially in the current situation. There's a lot of fear in the community. And they have no, and this is a very important point, they have no assurance of any hope for the future. And yet, as Christians, we do. Now, let me say this, and very genuinely, MCC, you are a blessed people. You've believed, you've accepted, and you trust in Christ Jesus. 
And as a result, I believe that God has a wonderful ministry for you, not only in your church, outside your church walls, both as individuals and a group. This is why I love church, because people are sharing and encouraging each other in their faith. And this is so important because there's a desperate world out there who needs to hear the good news. And you can be in a position where you can encourage and you can talk to people. And when you know that they're getting down, you say, but I, you know, I have a God who cares for me. And maybe you need to share that some of your stories. You see, as you encounter God daily in your life, ask him. Now, this is an important key. You ask him and you allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you to share his hope to all those you meet and you don't know him. Now, this why is that in verse important? Because, you see, when we have the Holy Spirit in us, we have the all the ability that God pours out. We have the ability, we have the, we've just got to listen sometimes. And he might say, say this or do this. Be kind to someone in this way. You don't know how God wants to bless the people you meet up with and he's using you. And what a privilege it is. And I believe as you do, you will see God working through you into Satan's destroyed world. Now, what happened to those people back in that prophecy in Isaiah 61? Well, we know it was Jesus, but we know that he came to work with people. And you listen to this. This is Isaiah 61 verse 4. Then they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up the former devastations. And they will repair the ruined cities in the desolation of many generations. What an amazing role for the church in this community. You are the church. The church is the people who love Jesus Christ and who have given their lives to him. And yet we are there to, as it says, rebuild the ancient ruins, raise up the former devastations. In other words, deal with the problems that we come across. We will repair the ruined cities, the desolation of many generations. And if your country is like mine, there are a lot of people who lead ruined lives and who want to hear the truth, want to be encouraged. And the church is a powerful place to do that in its community. And so finally, these words from Jesus are for us today. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Believe in God also in me. Now, I think that's worth repeating. It says, peace I leave with you. Do, you. do you know the peace of God in your life? You may have been part of the church for a long time. You may be new to the faith. But do you know the peace in all your circumstance? Because I believe that's something that is so powerful. And it says here, my peace I give to you. You know, God wants us to understand and to enjoy the peace that he gives. But he doesn't do it as the world gives. You know, the world has its answer for happiness and looking after things, but God does it differently. He, he does it from the inside. He gives us hope. He gives us a future. He gives us the Holy Spirit to lead and guide and encourage our lives. So maybe you need to hear this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Believe in God also in me. And that's why Jesus came. That's why that prophecy was so powerful, because 700 years after it was said, what he began still goes on today. 
the church is a mighty army dealing with, I guess, the effects of Satan in this world. You're a people who have got an amazing future, and I believe that God is going to bless your church. He's going to renew. You know, you, you do well now, but I believe it's only the start of the journey. Don't ever be discouraged. Don't ever think that the church isn't achieving a great deal. I believe that God wants us to know that he works with us. He's encouraging us. He's building us up and setting us to achieve what he wants for us to do. So bless you as you go into this week. Start tomorrow and just say, look, God, make me a blessing today. Give me someone who I can encourage. Help me to help the people I meet with. And you'll be amazed at what happens. So bless you on your Christian journey.